0: The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Are you interested in changing a part of your life? Whether it's finances, relationships, reducing stress, or just personal health, sometimes just changing a few small things can bring great rewards. Welcome to Moving Forward, Wellness One Step at a Time with Dr. Serena Wadwa. We'll provide possible steps you need to see these improvements. All we ask is that you try them out. Now, here is Dr. Serena Wadwa.
2: All right, and welcome to today's show. I am so excited to be talking about a topic that I think many, many people uh, will relate to on some level or intensity, and thank you, listeners, for joining in with us today, and um, Before we begin, I want to just uh, introduce my guest today. Her name is Dr. Deborah Kissen, and she has a PhD in counseling psychology, as well as a master in health service administration. So, talk about some anxiety there. She (laughs) also is the clinical director of the Light On Anxiety Treatment Center, located in Chicago, Illinois, and. Um, specializes in principles relating to mindfulness and how they can be applied to anxiety disorders. So, you know, there's also a lot of other stuff that you got here, but, you know, I'll let you um, talk about some of those things if you want and and just welcome. Thanks for Thanks for joining us today.
3: This is very exciting and fun and always looking for opportunities to spread the word about treatments for anxiety and what, we can all do. None of us can escape anxiety in our lives. So I love the title of the show and the concept of taking it one step at a time versus big, overwhelming changes. So that certainly applies to what we can do to work on anxiety.
2: Yeah. So, you know, just kind of jumping off of that, what I'm sure there's many listeners that, um, you know, we, we all experience anxiety, it sounds like. And, I'm wondering if you can start off by just kind of providing um, what exactly is anxiety?
3: Mm-hmm. That is a very good question. It seems like the popular media these days, the word anxiety is, is all over the place, lots of books, lots of talking. It feels almost like the age of anxiety that we all live in. So what,
2: mm-hmm. what
3: is anxiety? Another way to think about anxiety is the fight or flight response. So it's a system in the body that is there in the brain and body for very good reasons. So it's there to protect us from danger, to get us activated, to get us revved up to deal with a challenging situation. So when we're feeling anxious, there are lots of physical sensations that people associate with feeling anxiety from the heart beating fast, from increase in breathing rate, tingling in the hands. Lots of things start happening when we feel anxious because if a lion were to walk into my office right now, I would really be confused. park <laughs> like, yeah. was not that far away, but still would be confusing. And second, I would need to deal with a very real danger. And so my my body and mind would get activated to deal with an immediate threat. Unfortunately, Unfortunately, our anxiety response in modern day life there aren't that many immediate dangers that we really need to be activated for yet our brain through evolution is is prepared for those immediate dangers so the anxiety response is when we're getting ready to deal with an immediate
2: threat so so that's not actually that you're dealing with it at the moment it's more about you're getting ready to deal with it is that Is that the distinction?
3: Well, that's Uh, actually a very, very good point. So in the moment, what we're feeling is is fear. So in the moment when there's an immediate threat, we're feeling fear in our body because a gunman walks into a room. That's fear. Anxiety is about preparing for danger that is occurring in the future. So how am I going to handle it if I get laid off from my job? How am I going to handle it if my boyfriend breaks up with me, how am I going to handle it if I go to that party and people think I'm, I look weird. So it's, it, anxiety is really about thinking and preparing for a danger that may be occurring in the future or may not be.
2: Oh, so it's not, it doesn't even, it doesn't even need to be something that is, that realistically is occurring. It could be something that you're thinking is going to occur.
3: Right, that, so it's really um, about that planning and that predicting and analyzing, and, and it's helpful. It, it was, it's, we, we are small animals versus some of the larger animals that have been on our planet throughout time, but what has allowed us to survive is the ability to plan, predict, create a wheel, do, do things that help us handle future challenges so we're not always dealing with immediate threats.
2: Oh, okay. At so, the same in some
3: time, we could also be very creative in planning, predicting, imagining all of the awful, scary, terrible things that may happen. That have some likelihood, even if the likelihood is point zero 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 one. If there's still a chance.
2: Yeah. Okay. So, like, so, 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 I guess it sounds like too that. I mean, I have like a. F- Okay, see, now I'm having, like, a bunch of thoughts running in my mind, and I'm wondering, mm, oh, my gosh, am I getting anxious brain. here?
3: <laughs> Hearing and planning and trying to yeah, predict. No. <laughs>
2: um, so, the first thought that I'm going to grasp onto here is it, it sounds like people then can experience different levels of anxiety, like, maybe throughout the day or or throughout the week. Is that is that something that's that you commonly see or is common – commonly experienced?
3: Yeah, certainly. We all fluctuate from every, it's, it's a moment to moment situation. So an hour ago when I was sitting doing some paperwork at my desk, I would ask people, zero to 10, where are you at? And so I, zero being totally chill, 10, panic attack, freaking out. So I was probably at a two or three, a little revved up, but but pretty calm. Right now I'm probably at a seven or eight in terms of just lots of adrenaline flowing. And and another interesting thing about anxiety is it's really, it's another word for excitement. It's another word for feeling activated. So when you go on a roller coaster, when you go hear some great music, when you feel sensations of love, it's the same physiology that's occurring. It's just how we, the words we use and how we interpret that physiology.
2: Oh, And I'm glad you brought that up because that was the other question or kind of one of the questions I was going to ask you is that, you know, how then how exactly does that experience differ from like, you know, um, like looking forward to something that you are wanting to happen? Like what I got from you was that, you know, with anxiety, we experience this when we're kind of planning, predicting um, or doing something to. Um, manage or relate to a future event, but what if it's something that we really are looking forward to? Is that, is that mm-hmm. more, is that something well, different? Well, I we
3: normally interpret it like, wow, look at me. I'm so excited. I can't wait to go with my friends and have a great uh-huh. dinner. I'm feeling great. So yeah. the way we interpret the sensations is not, wow, look at me. I'm I'm freaking out, but because it's something that we're looking forward to doing that's going to occur in the future, we interpret those sensations as getting activated towards something pleasurable.
2: Okay. So it's the same physiologically. It's the same experience. It's just what that actual event is that can differ for us and make it either anxiety or excitement. Mm -hmm. I heard, I wish I knew who, I heard a
3: recent great TED Talk, of course, now I can't even think of who's giving it. But one of the best ways uh, that you could, when you're feeling anxious, is to reframe those sensations and saying, like, this is, wow, look at me. I'm really excited. You don't have to trick yourself. You can't trick yourself. Like, look at me. I'm so excited to take that test because we can't lie to ourselves. That never works. But we we can say, like, this is me really excited and feeling revved up, and this is the sensations of my body and brain feeling really activated versus this is me freaking out. I'm not going to be able to handle it. I'm, I'm getting too overwhelmed.
2: Okay. So like when someone, so that's a great like uh, suggestion for some of our listeners who may, you know, be thinking about, well, how can I, how can I manage this or work with this? It sounds like one thing you're suggesting is when you are experiencing anxiety in your, you kind of think of it more as, oh, I'm really excited about this event happening, not so mm-hmm. much freaking I'm out really
3: excited. Although I, I think excited tends to sound positive, and I, I think as long as you're honest, with yourself, this is me feeling really excited, I keep saying activated, not excited, yay, can't wait for it to
2: happen. Okay. So, tell me a little bit, I like that word um, choice there, that activated. What... How are you framing? How is that different than for somebody to when they say, "I'm activated" as opposed to "I'm anxious"? I mean, it even sounds different as I say it. But right, what, it, people what, tend to
3: feel really anxious when they state that they're anxious. <laughs> most people oh, really? come to to see me at my practice, which is specializing in anxiety. When we really get down to the roots of what they're they're most afraid of, what they're afraid of is feeling afraid. So it's the fear of fear or the anxiety about feeling future anxiety is the thing oh, we wow. want to avoid. It's just what it feels like to okay. feel anxiety. And then all the connotations that come with that. When, when I'm anxious, I'm, I can't think straight. I'm weak. I'm
2: vulnerable. I,
3: I'm not powerful enough versus I'm excited. I'm getting revved up to go do something.
2: Okay. So what I'm hearing you say then is that it helps to reframe it as activation because Mm -hmm. in that sense, you're kind of focusing more on the energy that you're getting as opposed to the consequences of the anxiety. Right. And it's it's more accurate. Um,
3: Anxiety, I think just because of what our life experience has taught us and told us and about what, when we're, Anxious. That's a that's about. But when we think of that word, it it does make us feel anxious.
2: Yeah, because that's kind of a one of those um like a, one of those words that gets a bad rap, so to speak. You know that that people. I mean, I get the sense that people try to avoid anxiety at all cost. Right. And I'm wondering. Yeah. You know, yeah. What do you yeah. think of that? <sighs> I,
3: I I think the way I conceptualize anxiety. All ineffective coping behaviors are in some way an attempt to not feel the discomfort of anxiety, whether that's drinking, eating, avoiding, isolating, over engaging in social activities, cutting, any any ineffective coping behavior, and I, I use that term because mm-hmm. it's a neutral term, all these things that people do we do are to to try to avoid feeling bad, and I think a lot of the bad feelings that we as humans experience are the feelings of anxiety or anticipation of some potential negative outcome
2: so do you think that um anxiety then is is about the potential negative outcome that people are are um, or I don't know what's a perceiving may happen. Right. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So it sounds like, I mean, just to kind of sum up what we've talked about so far, your, your conceptualization of anxiety is that it is this physiological sensation that people experience that relate to some future danger Mm -hmm. that they need to plan, predict, or analyze, and they somehow have to wrap that up and, and figure out how they're going to manage it or cope with it, this, right. this thing. And mm-hmm. that one suggestion that you provided was that, you know, one way to kind of reframe that is looking at it as being more of you're activating your system mm-hmm. to to get some energy to help you with this as opposed to getting panicked and, and wanting to avoid it. Mm-hmm. Is that... Yes. Great. That's a really good tip and tool. Wonderful. Well, we're going to jump to a break right now, and then uh, when we come back, we will continue the conversation about what is anxiety. Stay tuned.
4: Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: How is your health? Take charge of your fitness and take charge of your healthy life. Listen for Be Fit for Life with your host, Chad Austin. Think back over the past week, the past month, the past years. Are you like a lot of other people, too busy with the kids, work, travel, social calendars, business calendars, the day, the night, this and that? Make the decision to be healthier. Just do it. Chad Austin has made a living from motivating people to stop excuses and make fitness a priority in their lives. Tune in every Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel.
4: A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: You are listening to Moving Forward Wellness One Step at a Time with Dr. Serena Wathwa. If you have a question or comment for the show today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Serena at gmail.com. That's D-R-S-E-R-E-N-A-W-A-D-H-W-A at gmail.com. Now, back to the program.
2: welcome back. Thanks for tuning back into our show today. We are talking with Dr. Deborah Kisson, who is the clinical director of the Light on Anxiety Treatment Center and talking with us about this, this whole concept of anxiety and what it is and how it fits in wellness and, you know, what, where does it come from? And so, you know, we were talking before the break about what exactly anxiety is. And I'm actually using the, the little tip that you provided. I'm telling myself that my system is activated and I've got mm-hmm. energy. And- as is mine. I am yes. activated as well and it it does actually feel a little different when you when when i'm saying that like oh i'm activated right now i've got some energy as opposed to ooh i'm anxious and
1: mm-hmm. what am i going to
2: say and what 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 question am i going to ask next so that's that's really interesting i just wanted to put that out there for listeners and you know i'm curious if you can provide maybe like a couple different examples in terms of you know, like, give us a, what. What are some things that can create anxiety? And and exactly, you know, like, how does it how does it fit in in our day to day experience? It's it's a hard question because <laughs> yeah,
3: it's it's a it's a good question. It's a hard question because pretty much anything in life can cause anxiety in okay. in that. Because we're, we're so creative, we humans have, we have these frontal cortex that we're so good at thinking and being creative about all the things that can happen. So it could be somebody gets a great job and their dream job and all of a sudden huge episode of anxiety of I'm a fraud and I don't deserve it. They're going to figure out that somehow mm-hmm. I was able to fool everybody or in, in a wonderful relationship and when... When is it going to all come crum- crumbling down? When is my husband going to cheat on me? Or it, it could be something, health anxiety, where somebody's checking for lumps and bumps and and weird sensations in their body that can be all of the terrible cancers and diseases that they could have. So because we're we're so good at predicting... Well, we're not so good at predicting the future always, but we are good at... <laughs> planning, and thinking about the future, uh-huh. we, we could really get anxious about anything. So in my, if, you think, if you think about the terms that, the disorders that it backs into, so there's generalized anxiety disorder, which is basically worries, everyday worries that take end up taking up increasingly amounts of time and create a lot of distress. Okay. Then there is OCD that has more obsessions and compulsions that feel a little more intrusive and less rational, panic, social anxiety. So we all are anxious sometimes. The question is when we're anxious more moments than we would like to be, when it, mm. it disrupts our functioning, when it creates a lot of distress and takes us away from valued living, then it might be time to, to work on it, whatever that means for each person.
2: Mm. And that's what a nice, I mean, I really like how you put that too, is just kind of, you know, if people start noticing that these these moments, these anxiety-induced or produced moments really do get in the way of a valued life for them, that that may mm-hmm. be a, a an indication for them to, hey, you know, maybe I need to talk to someone about this or kind of figure out what's going on.
3: Right. When that avoidance, because the main uh. behavior that we we as animals engage in when, when faced with something that's invi- anxiety-provoking is to back away, is to avoid, is to, is to maybe close down. And then when that creates missing out on important moments, when you're missing out on an important wedding because you don't want to get on a plane or you're not attending a social event for fear that you don't look as good as you're supposed to look, then your life is getting smaller and smaller, and that's, that's not fair, you, to any
2: of us. Yeah, because, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. And, you know, I like what you said a moment ago, um, and I'm wondering if maybe you could talk a little bit more about this, because you mentioned that, you know, part of what creates anxiety for individuals and that it is so individually based is that, you know, because we are so good at thinking and creating, we have, you know, we have, the word that came to my mind was that we're, we have really good imaginations. Yeah, we do. Yes, we do. And it sounds like that can get us in trouble when it comes mm-hmm. to anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, so how, I mean, this is really intriguing because it's very interesting that we can imagine things happening, and so then in an attempt for those things to not come true or be true or to deal with it, we'll just avoid that entire situation altogether.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: That's a potential way.
3: or compulsively analyze, think. Uh, Think is also another huge tool that people utilize to handle situations that make them anxious, so spending tons of time and energy thinking through how, how, how will I handle that, and if that does happen, how bad will I feel, and how will I function, and so we we tend to spend a good deal of our life planning for future situations that very likely won't happen. Other hard situations will happen. And when they happen, we'll have to deal with them. But we spend a good amount of time planning for all these future situations that, that are most likely not going to happen.
2: So, so all these things that we imagine may happen and create and, um, um, lead to anxiety-producing moments are really not things that do happen in in our no, in our reality. I
3: guess, I guess let's be really specific. So, so for okay. someone with health anxiety who frets and worries and checks their body to see if in in a lot of my clients will end up making up health health checks. Like if I touch my throat and if I feel a bump or they'll maybe go to the doctor too, but lots of just checking compulsions to feel, see if they're okay or they're not okay. And so Uh, for the fear that they might get some terrible kind of disease or, or a cancer. And so that doesn't mean that they're not going to get Breast cancer, you know, we all know that things do happen, but the image of what it would be like to then have it and how the family would respond, how life would be if they passed away and their kids would suffer, all this imagining what this terrible future would be like, it's just wrong. None of us know when when something terrible happens, it's going to be what it's going to be, but it's not going to be what we predict it's going to be. That's one
2: thing that we Okay. Okay. And so do you see like, you know, in, in the clients, because um, it sounds like since your practice mainly focuses on anxiety disorders, are there any kinds of trends that you're seeing in the anxiety and, and stress even, Um, and maybe if you could provide like uh, how anxiety and stress may be different, because I don't know. Okay. Okay, so
3: I guess first thinking about trends, or maybe I'll do the, I don't know which is easier, but okay, the difference between stress and anxiety. So when someone says, I am feeling stressed right now, it normally does have a very present oriented physiological, just the way we use the language of stress. Oh, right. I'm so stressed. My body's tense and my head feels like there's someone squeezing my brain. I feel so stressed right now. So, the way we use that is normally a physiological explanation of our body on anxiety.
2: Okay.
3: But, but when people come in and say, I'm, I'm coming in to get treatment on, for anxiety, I'm so anxious. I would say, well, what does that mean to you? Because it, it is so individual, and then when people talk about what that means to them, they might... Be talking more about the physical sensations, or they might talk about the fact that they're, they're stuck in their brain and can't get out of negative thought loops, or the behaviors that they engage in. So, what that means to each individual is is more dependent on their
2: own situations. Okay. So, okay. So, like, so the definitions are pretty um, consistent. However, what is actually inducing, like whether they are experiencing anxiety or stress, is going to be very individualistic.
3: hmm Yeah. Okay. And I'd say people are more consistent when they talk about that they're stressed. But when people say, I'm so anxious, it has a vaguer, more vague definition. And it does feel more specific to, to each person.
2: Okay, so stress is much more um, something that can be generalized, uh, you know, Physical. among yeah, physically. Okay, mm-hmm. but an- anxiety is very much of an individual um, experience. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And what about um, what about trends? I mean, are, do you see any trends um, with clients that you see, like things that are you know kind of more. Um, topics that they seem to be anxious about or things that may help our listeners that, you know, to kind of recognize that, oh, this is what other people are feeling anxious about too.
3: Mm -hmm. Well, I, I seem to be going back to health anxiety, but I certainly do see lots of people who, given all of the social media and all the information we're constantly getting on experiences that other people are having and all the things that can happen, we, I, I do see a lot of people who it feels like a rise, even in in health anxiety and worries about about their own health.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I certainly see, speaking of social media, I see lots of people who are over connected to their social media, and so they're doing lots of checking. And if they don't get a response back immediately, have concerns about what that might mean about a relationship or checking. On Facebook, that this person friended this person. So I think a, a, a homework assignment I often give to clients is to to get off Facebook for or limit the amount of time if if that is becoming something of a
2: compulsion. Okay, okay. Well, and you brought up some really interesting trends that um, we actually need to break. So when we come back, we'll pick up with some of those trends that you talked about, including social media. So stay tuned.
4: Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness. You read about it in health news every day.
1: Cancer rates are going up. Obesity in the U.S. is on the rise. Heart disease and diabetes are top killers every year.
4: We can follow the advice of our doctor, but cravings persist. Weight goes up and energy is still down. It doesn't have to be like this. Tune in for Body Balance Talk with your host, Jeannie Schmidt, along with Lucy and Madeline. You'll learn how you can work with your body to feel better and look better, too. Body Balance Talk airs live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health and
1: Wellness. If you have cancer, there are a lot of questions that need to be answered. While many medical professionals can give us some of the answers, there are many more unanswered questions that can't always be answered to our satisfaction. Listen for Cancer Concepts and Compliments with Dr. James Belanger. We'll discuss the tests, the compromised immune system, how cancer grows, and what natural medicines could be added to conventional therapies that may help keep it at bay. Cancer Concepts and Compliments airs live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel.
4: Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: You are listening to Moving Forward, Wellness One Step at a Time with Dr. Serena Wathwa. If you have a question or comment for the show today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Serena at gmail.com. That's W a d h w a at gmail.com. Now, back to the program.
2: All right, and welcome back. We are continuing our discussion with Dr. Deborah Kissen about anxiety, and thanks for being here today with us. Um, Before the break, you had brought up a really interesting uh, topic about social media, and I'm curious if you can kind of jump back onto that and Talk a little bit about um, you know how how does that relate to anxiety because you had started talking about some things and then we went to breaks. So I'm wondering if we could get back to that
3: mm-hmm. I would say the main the main way that it, it impacts anxiety is that it takes us out of the current moment and the present and brings us and anything that takes us out of the present moment can lead to anxiety. So last night I was eating dinner. I noticed every person, it was sort of a fast food place and everyone had their phone in front of them and everybody was reading and looking at things while eating. And so every time we remove ourselves one moment from the present moment, that planning, predicting mechanism in our brain is getting more activated so oh, I guess wow. flip side or an important tool in managing anxiety is, is, mindfulness and attending being in the present moment, not the future with all the things that could go wrong and not the past with all the things that did go wrong, but the here and now, and I know it's overused and we throw it around and, it's this trendy word that no one really necessarily (laughs) knows what it means, but it's just about attending to your current moment versus running off with your head to wherever it chooses to go in the past or the future. So I guess back to social media, it, it, the way I see it, it removes us. It removes me. I might be hanging out with my kids and then I hop on Facebook for a second. And then I, I missed out of a moment of, connecting to a, an important moment in my life.
2: Okay. So, so like with social media, I mean, cause yeah, again, I mean, we are such an, a technology technological culture right now that it's interesting, um, you know, and during the break you had mentioned something that I also thought was really interesting that, you know, how we engage with social media also keeps us very activated and so, you know, you had talked about or you had mentioned how we are always on when we're constantly checking Facebook or um, Twitter or looking at, you know, mm-hmm. the current story. And can you can you just kind of give a little bit of information about how that may work from an anxiety perspective? Mm-hmm. Well,
3: if you... Well, first of all, when, when we never feel like we're done, when there's always another task to do, there's always something else to complete,
2: mm-hmm.
3: it, it does activate the anxiety network in our brain. There's, there's something to be dealt with. There's, there's, there's something to watch out for or, or do. You're not, you're not done yet. You're not okay. It's not a time to be still. So mm-hmm. the way we live today, there really is always something else to do—an email to reply to, an article to read. We're mm-hmm. so flooded with information, and and I'm a, I'm an information junkie. So this <laughs> is my guilty pleasure. I, at night, I'll just read articles online. I, I have a thrilling life. I realize, but I'll just read. <laughs> <laughs> political awesome. articles and, and there's always another article that feels important that I should attend to and so there I don't allow myself to be still I'm feeding oh, okay. the beast
2: oh oh I like that's a great phrase my so,
3: anxiety information hoarding beast within
2: <laughs> for all that in, yeah for that just beating that addiction even in some degree yeah
3: yeah okay. that's how I manage my anxiety is if I could learn a little more, know a little bit more, then then I'm safe. Then I'm, okay. then I'm not vulnerable to not knowing. So there's always a flip side.
2: Okay. Okay. Well, and that's such an interesting thing, you know, that you just mentioned there is just this, you know, this, this idea of how anxiety and, and even for individuals that may experience it more intensely than others That something that helps to manage that is just, is getting information, you know, looking stuff up online, just kind of, you know, finding Mm, pieces, but it sounds like by doing that, it also can create um, like, you know, this, this, well, if I don't have information, then, then what, then it, you know, so it, it almost sounds like there's a, what is that? Where you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place with that Mm one. So I'm. I'm curious if then you could provide, um, you know, like, so let's say that there is somebody who's listening in and and does recognize that they feel a lot of anxiety. What is it um, that they could do, like, you know, and I don't know, you know, the term that's been thrown around are like quick fixes or in the moment kind of things. Mm -hmm. but. What is it that people can do when they're noticing that they are feeling anxious?
3: Right.
2: The first thing I
3: always talk to clients about, well, step one is educating oneself about what is anxiety so that it doesn't have to be so scary. Maybe it's just uncomfortable but not terrifying. So that's what we've been doing, all the psychoeducation. And the next thing I recommend for people is to start tracking Becoming detectives in their own anxiety. So it's not this vague blob that just shows up and takes over and all perspective is lost, but starting to really track what are some of the moments that I consider myself feeling more activated or more anxious? What am I doing? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? And, and start slicing and dicing it to get, to get some data and get some more specifics on what anxiety means to, to you. And so, so that that's the first step, I would say. Because it, what it does by doing that, there's a therapeutic value in tracking. Is that it makes it a little less less intimidating. It's like looking for the boogeyman under your bed, and you take your little flashlight and you stick your head underneath, and it's terrifying. But then you get to check out what's really going on.
2: Ah, so you so it's interesting you say that because I know like. Um, you know like when when people do something like that they actually are quite surprised by some of the information that they collect the data that you mentioned mm-hmm. they they become very surprised by what they start noticing and, and, you know, then it's like, oh, wow, okay, so I really was thinking about this, or I really was feeling this, like what you said. And, and you know, or maybe this was really what was going on so much that I was concerned about, and I didn't even realize how how present it was in my thoughts. Does that, right. does that make sense? Right. Okay. Okay. So it sounds like, you know, one of the first things that you recommend is um, – is getting some idea about what anxiety is for the person. And Mm -hmm. then after that is to start tracking, um, when do they feel anxious or activated? When do they Mm -hmm. not experience that and breaking that kind of stuff down? Right.
3: And then the, the next step in this, let's call it an informal protocol would be to start noticing the, the catastrophic thoughts that show up and, once you, you start breaking down this information, you figure out the pattern, there's normally one or two core thoughts. And so there might be lots of different situations and it feels like different triggers are bringing out different thoughts, but it normally comes down to, in all these different situations, I'm not okay, or people I'm gonna see that I'm a disaster, or I'm, I'm, I'm stupid or I'm a loser or I'm some core belief that I'm out of control, that all of the anxiety episodes that a person experiences kind of takes them to a a key place, a core thought in their life.
2: Can you um, just, uh, for the sake for the listeners, can yeah. you explain what catastrophic means?
3: So catastrophic would be Somebody's late, uh, somebody's in traffic on the way to work, and they start having what feels like a panic attack or an anxiety episode, and their first thought might be, oh, there's traffic, I'm late, but their brain eventually quickly gets into a catastrophic place of, I'm going
4: to,
3: I'm late, I'm going to get in trouble, I'm going to get in trouble, I'm going to get fired, I'm going to get fired, I'm going to be homeless, and then I'm going to be rejected by all friends and family, my life yes. is worthless. So the okay. catastrophic thought is very inflated, very negative, very extreme.
2: Yeah, that's a good word because it's a very extreme thinking process. From right. And we
3: do it instantly. We don't yes. even know we've done it, but all of a sudden we've mentally taken us to the place where we're homeless and eating out of garbage cans. And then we wonder why we're feeling panicky. Well, our mind just visited a place where we have lost everything important to us. We didn't notice that that happened, but it felt as if it did, and then
2: we're feeling freaked out. And so that really fits in then to the definition that you brought up—that this is a—that that's threatening. Then, mm-hmm. that's sure, a,
3: it is. Yeah, threatening to lose everything a, in your life that's important to you. But the thing is, you're really just at a red light,
2: and that you're waiting, and that's why you're right. getting late.
3: So you're. Mm-hmm. Thirty minutes more in your drive time, but your mind just lives through the trauma of losing everything important to you. That's what we do.
2: Okay. Now, so what then? What do you recommend then for so you? You know, you have this, um, you know, figuring out what anxiety means, tracking their own experiences mm-hmm. of anxiety, and then and looking at some of their thought patterns, like for example. Mm-hmm. With with catastrophizing, looking at this extreme mm-hmm. um, thinking um, place, and so once you know, once a person gets to that point, let's say that they have some some notions about how they're thinking and what's extreme for them and what's happening. Um, what's one thing for? Because uh, we're going to have to break in a couple of minutes. What's one thing that you can suggest to listeners at this point? So at this would be looking at
3: that core thought, that catastrophic thought, I'm Mm -hmm. going to get fired and lose everything and then thought challenging or, or coming up with a more realistic interpretation like, okay, I might be five minutes late and maybe my boss will be disappointed in me, but it would take a lot more than that for me to get fired Oh, so it's just okay. Positive thinking, like, no, it's fine, everything's wonderful, the birds are chirping, and I'm so happy. Because that's just annoying. That will annoy yourself. But it's, <laughs>
4: it's,
3: it's, it's realistic, it's go from catastrophic thinking to realistic thinking.
2: Okay. So, and and that's the piece that I missed there was that it sounds like um, the catastrophic thinking can even be core beliefs that people have about themselves. Like what you said, I'm a loser. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm unworthy. I'm unlovable. Those kinds of things. Those are very extreme right. thought patterns. Okay. Right. And so it sounds like at that point, what would really work or what one suggestion that people can try is going from this catastrophic extreme thought pattern or thinking to something that's more realistic and Mm -hmm. not annoy themselves at the same time. Mm -hmm. Do you say then annoy themselves or not annoy themselves? No, and not. And avoid annoying yourself.
3: Right. So not positive thinking, but realistic
2: thinking. Realistic thinking. All right. And then when we come back, we'll uh, follow up with that thought and talk about some quote unquote quick fixes that can help in stress and anxiety induced moments. Stay tuned.
4: real-life solutions voice america health and wellness
0: cancer is not something to be taken lightly but instead of being talked at by doctors medical providers and others wouldn't it be nice to hear from a host who has worked at the cancer coalface for 38 years as a caregiver supporter for fourteen thousand patients and who has had the experience of having a life-threatening condition herself You will hear the stories of survivors and other people who work in breakthrough cancer medicine. Navigating the Cancer Maze with host Grace Goller. We'll help you with the facts, planning, and grief experienced with different forms and stages of cancer. Listen every Friday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
4: opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: You are listening to Moving Forward Wellness, one step at a time with Dr. Serena Wadhwa. If you have a question or comment for the show today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Serena Wadhwa at gmail.com. That's D-R-S-E-R-E-N-A-W-A-D-H-W-A at gmail.com. Now, back to the program.
2: All right, and welcome back as we and I like the phrase that Dr. Kisson used a minute ago, land this plane on anxiety. <laughs> so
3: here we are in Somewhere the, safe, not, hey, not well, somewhere yes. is disastrous. We'll land the plane on a nice a safe. nice
2: Big track, yes. Yes, where it's safe and we're not feeling anxious about it. Right. So before, you know, we went to break, um, you know, you talked a little bit about what people can do to kind of create this lifestyle plan, a management plan for their anxiety, kind of to get them to start thinking about their own anxiety. What are some things that they could do, um, you know, looking at um, what's more realistic and, you know something that you mentioned uh, earlier in the show, and I really liked it, was because I think a lot of people also um, tend to like overthink things, like they put a lot of thought into something, yes. and and yes, I got we the do impression. That, don't we? Okay, <laughs> yes, and I got the impression from what you said that that in many um, situations that might be an area where a person feels anxious. If they're, okay, all right. So looking at those things. Thinking as a, I I sometimes conceptualize, thinking
3: as a compulsion, thinking as a device that we do to try to control uncertainty. Sometimes people just try to give themselves time, like an hour just did, and they get that thinking look, and they're just trying to problem solve future catastrophes. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and, and- yeah, it's a good tool in the toolbox. Thinking is important. Thinking helps us decide what we want for lunch. Thinking has its place, but I, we need a hammer. We need, not that I know much about tools, but we need other tools <laughs> in a toolbox besides just thinking. Okay.
2: Okay. Great. Well, what kind of things can you suggest, um, for listeners, um, and, you know, just people that may pick up this later, um, about things that they can do in the moment. I know that you talked about this concept of mindfulness too. So I'm hoping that you'll bring a little bit of that in, but, and mm-hmm. at the same time, just other stuff that you may you know be able to suggest. Right. So things that one can do
3: in the moment if they're noticing themselves feeling anxious, feeling activated. So that's one, one category. So it, the, a, quick, a quick fix and, and an important thing to do is if you catch yourself feeling anxious and feeling activated and getting lost in, in anxious thoughts is... is Practicing returning to the present moment. So if you're sitting in a meeting and you start thinking, I don't know what I'm talking about. They could tell I don't know what I'm talking about. Do I do I sound stupid? I sound like I don't I don't belong here. Just return to the present moment. So feel the chair under your body. Mm. Tap, wiggle your toes because your toes are are here gra- and they're grounded on the floor. Listen to the person sitting across from you. So anchor yourself in the present moment. And it's not a one-time thing. People say, well, I tried to do it. It didn't work. You do it once and then you do it again and you do it again. And you you just keep doing it. And the more we disengage from anxious thoughts and return to the present moment, it's like lifting weights. It gets easier each time you do it.
2: Mm. Return to the
3: present moment and attend to what's important in your life, not... What anxiety
2: is saying is important. Oh, so so those are two very different experiences too. So, and I like um, I like the wiggling your toes because I think our toes often do not get enough credit for no, being part of us. No, we don't we
3: of we of not attend to our toes. Our toes <laughs> are here
2: with us. They're and we present. We do not
3: attend to them.
2: So okay, yeah. yes, and so okay, so it sounds like just kind of anything that's going to help us return to. Um, what we're experiencing in the moment. So wiggling our toes, feeling the chair underneath us. Um, And, you know, you mentioned kind of like coming back to doing that and just keep doing that same um, uh, technique or strategy or suggestion over and over again. I'm yeah, curious.
3: for a lifetime, I'm, really. For a
2: lifetime. Okay, so it's not just like keep doing it in that particular moment. You really want to be doing it consistently.
3: Right, to, to live as much as we can in our current moment.
2: Okay. So, and that's a really interesting strategy because it sounds like, you know, I mean, what I'm hearing you say, and I know some of the things that we've talked about that you've mentioned, is that, you know, in order for us to manage and reduce our stress i'm sorry our anxiety activated experiences we really need to get out of our head and into what's happening in our experience our present experience yeah so looking at okay am i overthinking something looking at what am i not attending to in the moment is kind of Mm -hmm. what i'm hearing you talk about Okay. okay do you have um maybe another suggestion to give to our listeners? Yeah, I I think most,
3: I don't know about most importantly, but very, very important is to, I I believe in exposure-based living. So engaging in exposures or activities that challenge your anxious brain. So if your anxious brain is saying, I can't do that because I'll be laughed at, or I can't do that because I'm not smart enough, or I, if I do that, terrible things will happen. And, And the way to get your anxious brain to learn that you are okay and that you're competent and that you could handle things is by teaching it through experience, not by telling it, no, I'm okay. And my mom likes me and people said, yes. I'm nice. We can't convince, we can't talk to our anxious brain and tell it it's okay. Cause I think we've all tried that and it just gets frustrating. We have to kind of teach it. Look, look what I can do. Mm. And then it learns, Oh wow. I can fly on a plane. I can
2: give a talk. I can do that. So in a sense, it's almost like, so you're not talking, talking at your anxious brain and trying to assure it. Convince you're actually, it it. yeah, you're actually trying to encourage it to try something different.
3: Or taking it along for the ride. As it's ah. no, saying, I know you're freaking out, but this is what we're going to do because it's important. This is, this is important in living a full life.
2: Okay, so just kind of letting it know that you're kind of going to go ahead and do this, and it right. just needs to come with you.
3: Right. And oh. and another important thing is people end up yelling at their anxious brain, like, "What yes. is wrong? Like, why do you have to do this to me? You're ruining my life, and this is you're making everything awful." Which just, of course, makes the anxious brain more anxious. It's like yelling yes. at someone who's screaming to calm down. It doesn't work. <laughs> So if we could compassionately just tell our anxious brain, I know you're really freaking out. You don't think we could handle this, but we're going to give this a try and, and live to tell about it.
2: Oh, that's a great word too, is just having compassion with it. Mm-hmm. Which is hard. Yes, because that is so very hard. <laughs> yes, I think I think a lot of people struggle with having compassion even more for with themselves. Oh, yeah. In terms, I mean, because I know you mentioned that even earlier. So, yeah. So, um, you know, we've we've talked about like a lot of different things here. I mean, you went, you kind of talked a little bit about how you conceptualize anxiety, and I really like how. Um, you know, you framed it as this activation that it's really our system that's activated. And, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about some trends and some experiences and how it may relate to stress and how it's different from stress. And, you know, I, I think I wrote down like five or six different uh, suggestions. And I know there might be some questions that our listeners may have. And I'm wondering um, how, how can they get in contact with you?
3: They can either go to my website, and there's an area that questions can be posted, and I'd be happy to answer any questions. It's light, L-I-G-H-T, on anxiety.com, or anyone can email me at Dr. drdebra, D-R-D-E-B-R-A, at lightonanxiety.com. They could call me, 312-508-3645, all that good stuff. I'm I'm Googleable. So
2: if you have a question, Google-able. Don't, <laughs> that's awesome.
3: <laughs> yeah, don't, don't be afraid to reach out. I'd be happy to answer any, any questions you might have.
2: Well, great. Well, thank you so much for coming on today's show. And I really appreciate the discussion on anxiety.
3: Well, thank you so much. It was really fun.
2: Great. Well, and thanks for our listeners for staying tuned and join us next week when we talk to Dr. Lisa Page about sleep.
1: Thanks again for making the first of hopefully many changes this week by tuning in to Moving Forward, Wellness One Step at a Time. Dr. Serena Wadwa hopes that you'll join her again next Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a great week!